Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So it's us again. Thanks for being there. Thanks for listening. And thanks for putting up with my idiosyncrasies. I guess that not everybody that sends in a question gets the answer that they expect or that they want. And this might be a case in point. One of our most regular contributors um, from the Isle of uh, Iona. And, and listen, Finlay um, MacDonald, our socio, is in Iona. Um, as he sends this because I guess he's in isolation, just like most of the people in the UK now. But um, you catch me, if you can hear background sounds you don't normally hear, you catch me right now um, on the roof of my building enjoying my first glass of wine in over three weeks. It's a vaguely acceptable day in that there's a blue sky um, by Spanish standards, it's nippy as fuck. Um, but by my standards, this will do nicely. And I can see, from my roof, I can see the Mediterranean Ocean. And that's bringing me a little bit of peace and quiet to the raging soul. So Finley's interjection and his question come at a very welcome moment. Now, Finley MacDonald asks, I have seen a lot of stuff online about picking your best La Liga team of all time but who would be your best goalkeeper defender midfielder number 10 center forward goalkeeper and manager but chosen from players out with Barca and both Madrid teams by which I take Finley not to mean uh, Lega or Getafe which loosely get called Madrid teams I guess he means Madrid and Atleti uh, so Finley what did I ever do to you that's not easy. You haven't asked me for nostalgia. You've asked me for uh, a best 11, although you, I think, Finley, to be fair, you are specifying only certain positions. But I thought, hell, let's go the full hog. Now, you didn't set me these rules, but I thought, Finley, it was fair. And other socios, have your comments, please. But I thought it was fair to suggest that I guess I had to have seen them or been at the games or watch them closely on television before I moved out here in order to, to suggest that they make my list. Does that seem fair, Finley? Anyway, it's the way I've gone, and I've gone for this 11. Now, there's only one cheat, well, there's one and a half cheats in the whole 12 positions. And the big one 
is Pepe Reina because Pepe did have, and Finland didn't go and count it, but a handful of games for Barca. But you were talking about players who established themselves without having been mainstays at the big clubs with the massive, talented um, imports all around them with huge wages, with other footballers that that transformed the eleven into a star-studded winning machine. I, I think that Pepe Reina counts and given that you're not here to argue with me, <laughs> I, I, I win that point. Uh, and, and Pepe Reina gets in the team for a number of reasons. There, there are obviously um, key footballers um, in this position who, who, can, who can have a big case made for them, who either won trophies without ever having been at the big three, or who might have played international football. And... The reason I go for Pepe Reina is that there, there were times when Pepe Reina had just a sheen, just a touch of what I like in my all-time favourite goalkeepers. Now, two of those all-time favourites would be Peter Shilton. And when I was growing up, I thought that Shilton spent years where he felt completely unbeatable, where forwards would shrink. And when he... Filled the goal because he's not—he wasn't a gigantic man, but he filled the goal in the way that it, it looked and felt as if you'd never get by him. And then the closest thing to that, in fact, a better keeper, in my opinion, a better keeper and a better football character and a bigger winner, was eventually Peter Schmeichel. And I—I I think Schmeichel might be pound for pound, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper of of my working lifetime. I'd go further and say that. Um, Pepe Reina had elements of those two. And while maybe he never quite reached the absolute heights of those two, what I'm sure about was that there were times at Liverpool and there were times at Villarreal in particular, not to denigrate from his future surgeons at, um, at Milan or at Bayern Munich, what I would argue is that Pepe Reina was a gigantic character who, who brought a conviction that he would not be beaten into every game in which he played. And I thought he was remarkable. What's more, and what puts him in my 11, Finlay, is that I've spent a lot of time around him. I've seen him training. I've seen his brilliance at penalty taking. So if this team of mine was ever in a shootout, Pepe Reina would be in the first five. You've probably read about my experiences of watching him against Iker Casillas in a big shootout for 50 euros, sometimes more, after Spain training. And the brilliance of his gamesmanship, of his technique at taking and saving penalties, he almost always won those shootouts. But... More than that, I've watched him be a leader, somebody who lifts the playing group day in, day out, somebody who will not accept adversity, a massive, big, booming character, and he's in my team. Now, there's so much attacking or creative talent that has to get in, and there are some brutal omissions, that I'm going three at the back. And I guess you've been watching Spanish football long enough, Finley, to remember my... The only fullback that gets in my back three is Manuel Pablo. Now, there was a stage when you could easily argue that this guy from the Canary Islands who was brought up to Deportiva La Coruña, there was a stage where I think he was probably pound for pound in the top two or three right backs anywhere in the world. Tremendously mobile, aggressive in the tackle, 
technically adept, but with a massive engine, absolute dynamo of non-stop competitive action, by which I mean that he was good, without any doubt in my mind, um, positionally, in that he was first and foremost a defender. But there was a similarity to what's happening at Liverpool right now. And I'm not comparing him directly to either Trent or Andy Robertson on the other side. But in terms of the equilibrium he gave to the team, in that he could get into midfield, get up high, use the ball very well, but he had this not only remorseless set of lungs and pair of legs that would draw him up, down, up, down, up, down, but a mentality which was, I have to be contributing, I have to be covering, I have to be tackling, I have to be bringing the ball forward. He had a decent right foot, and had it not been for that brutal, brutal, I think it was his tibia, I'm stretching for the English word to translate from Spanish, but I'm certain it was a tibia injury, a brutal fracture, in I think it was it was in either 2000, 2000, 2001 or 2001, 2002 and it cost him so much in terms of his brilliance he became afterwards a good club right back but it, that edge that, that competitiveness that unbelievable mobility um, that l- led him to be in my book at that stage one of the best in the world that kind of was lost a little bit. But he's in my back three. Now, the remainder of the back three is um, comprised by two guys who are partially known for their time at Valencia. But one of them uh, won the World Cup and um, was a star at other teams. The first is Ayala, El Raton, the mouse, he was called. In all honesty, at his size, and, and there's not a massive amount of height in my back three, But Ayala was um, one of these guys who, when you went into the changing room and had your cucumber sandwich and your cup of tea before the match, and you looked around and you went, who's going to take us through this today? Ayala would be one. All action. um, Somebody who seemed to poke and prod and cajole big performances out of everybody around him. But again, like Manuel Paolo, was all action. Ayala, for my money, was gifted with an ability to leap far, far beyond where he should have been able to get to, given his height, his his timing, his leap, and his aggressiveness. Those three things. You can't say simply, for a guy who wasn't particularly big, he leapt like a dolphin, and that's it. It was about timing, judging his battles, and then when he was in a leap... He was all over the other player, and, and the ball was his sole object. Not not sole objective, isn't it? He wouldn't push or pull or use an elbow to to win it. But it was like I'm getting that fucking ball, and that's all there is to say about it. A leader, a captain. He oozed competitiveness, not just winner's mentality, but sheer naked. I'm going to compete, and I I'm going to win. And his cleverness at understanding. His not his limits, but his needs and his his desire to compete led to him being a top level football for a handful of years beyond where he might have been able to get. He was fundamental um, in the in the great years of of Valencia, as far as I'm concerned. 
and he's in my back three with Carlos Marchena. Now, it took me a little bit of time to understand exactly how good Marchena was in that when he was picked as part of the Spain team, which broke their trophy drought, which had lasted since 1964, and he played at centre-back to the exclusion of Sergio Ramos, who played right-back in that 2008 European Championship winning team. I would argue in my defence, uh, Finlay, socios, that it was that maybe he, he wasn't just as exceptional as Puyol and Ramos, and in his time, eventually, when he, he, he nicks into the team, uh, Gerard Piquet. But I think that it was easy, judgmentally, for Uri to be drawn in 2008 to other footballers, um, particularly Puyol and, and Ramos. And, and therefore, I think I understood that Marchena was competent, that he gave equilibrium, that of those three that I mentioned, him and Puyol and Ramos, he was the least likely to go charging forward in any situation. He was the one who'd been a centre-back longest out of the, the three of them. But as his career continued, what I witnessed w- were two things that ma- make sure he's in this team, Finlay. One, a reading of the game. I think Marchena was a really good footballer. And again, just like Ramos, maybe not the same as Puyol. I, I think Puyol is different in this category. But like Ramos, Marchena was technically very good. In a, it, I mean, gifted technically. Now, that took time to emerge, I think. And it was once he started, once I started watching him, regularly watching him outside the Spain team, and particularly at Valencia, where his reading of the match led to him being far, far more important and successful than than at first, um, in the years before 2008, I, I'd been able to see that he was. My eyes needed educating. And I got there. And the second thing that makes him important to this team, and I remember to this day when Spain were eliminated from a tournament for the umpteenth time in a, in a really brutally disappointing, flaccid way. And I'm talking about Russia 2018, as you all know, because you listen to the socio uh, content that uh, Neil and I produced. Um, The last night was in the main Moscow stadium. Uh, Russia are are really poor. I I just didn't think much of Russia as a team. And they had outcompeted Spain. They had outwitted Spain too. And they'd won on penalties. And it was all sad and we're going home. And for some players, it was patently end of era. I wanted my young Spanish journalist colleague to be the one uh, to interview Iniesta. She idolised him. It was her first World Cup. It was Iniesta's last World Cup. I'd had my chances to, to talk to the great man. And I thought it was fair that she should do it. So I let her do that, stood by to produce and watch as the cameraman zoned in on it all. And Carlos Marchena walked by, and in that pandemonium porridge of a World Cup, with uh, Lopetegui being sacked before a ball was kicked, and Fernando Hierro being drafted in, and Marchena acting as temporary um, director of football, which w- was his role at that World Cup, I remember 
him just stopping next to me as Iniesta was being inter- in, interviewed. We shook hands as we all, always do. He, he, we've been friendly um, for many years. He seems to like my attitude, my approach, not, not in terms of like, gosh, aren't you great? But we get on. There's, there's a degree of mutual respect is all I'm saying. And I went, listen, bad luck. I'm sorry to see you having to go home. And he went, maybe now. He said, maybe now everybody in Spain will realise how fucking hard it is to win a World Cup. He said, mentality. That's what we had. And I think that was a a fair summary of the limp way that Spain's teams have gone out of the majority of the tournaments subsequent to Euro 2012. Um, Marchena's in this team because he was a great reader of the game, a really good technical footballer, and because he's one of those guys with absolutely tremendous mentality. And um, God, don't we all love footballers who possess that? Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Okay, next. I told you it was 3-4-3, uh, three, three, or at least it's three at the back. In midfield, on one side, I had to put in Juan Mata. Such an agile, clever, busy footballer who took his responsibilities on the pitch really, really seriously. In, I, I mean that in a way that he didn't think that his job was done when something creative was built or a clever pass was made or if he crossed or he scored. I took Juan to be a player whose responsibility for the team was really, really high. And there's another reason too. Brilliant, brilliant character. When he was picked by Spain, um, he gave everything. When he couldn't get in the team, he was a brilliant squad member. Again, I, I, I base some of these things finally on what I saw in training. As disappointed as he ever was, particularly I thought in 2012, where he was consistently one of the top three, four players in training, and he didn't get... I don't think he got in the pitch until the 2012 final. Did that get him down at all? Um, Did he withdraw any of his um, spirit or the lift that he tried to give to the team? Nah, not an iota. Technically really, really gifted. Um, Somebody to whom you could 
give the responsibility for the final ball, somebody to whom you could give occasional responsibility for free kicks. Um, I would say almost ambidextrous, and he's in my midfield. Now, on the other side of midfield, and I think these two guys could be completely interchangeable, and if you wanted to go three at the back, two organisers in the middle, and then sort of maybe three in behind the, the, the front three, or a number 10, Mata and David Silva could be that number 10 if you wanted to shift the formation a little bit. Mata was a little half a cheat there, I have to admit. So sorry about that in that he started at Real Madrid Finlay. But is he known for his time at Real Madrid? Is he a Real Madrid legend? No, therefore he has to count. He, he, he beats your criteria. He's in, baby. He's in. David Silva, there's little I have to say, I think, um, about this guy. Except that I think he possesses, again, something that goes beyond the talent that you've seen when he was playing at, um, up at Deportivo La Coruña or Valencia, uh, eventually at Manchester City. People, in my opinion, forget his terrific goal total over his career. So Mata and Silva in this midfield augment the fact that I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to give you big surprises up front, uh, Finley, but there's not a glut of goals up front. David Silva's goal total, and particularly when he was in a team where he was told that he was responsible for scoring as much as he was for creating, is decent. There's a long, long time when he was one of the leading, if not the leading scorer in the Spain team. Um, so I, I like him for that, but also quietly, um, because he is a if not shy, he's a withdrawn, introverted guy. What he possesses, again, in spades, is a determination to win. He's not aggressive. You won't see him out on the pitch um, bullying opponents. But what you'll always see him is showing up in difficult times. If, 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 if the game needs a ball carrier, if the tempo of the match needs him to be on the ball... 12 times in 10 minutes rather than 6 times in 10 minutes he'll absolutely do that if if you need to show against a team which is physically bigger or uh, physically more aggressive than you David Silva is your man his his technique it's just his outright skill I think that goes without saying I don't think any of you need reminding about how good he is but for those reasons free kicks penalties as well I, I think David Silva was an absolute must in my team. Now, in the middle, there's only really one guy um, who's going to be doing a lot of the the gateway tasks, the organisation. But I don't suppose you'll be that surprised that I include Gaiska Mendieta because Gaiska was twice voted uh, European Midfielder of the Year. And that was in a Valencia team just before uh, it it really hit its peak and won the league twice. Yes, they qualify for two uh, straight Champions League finals and no way was Gaiska the, the, the central organising pivoting midfielder. Not at all. A, a tremendously um, creative and attacking footballer. Um, somebody who hated, but, you know, was used at right back and therefore auxiliary could be used at right back if absolutely necessary. But he's in the middle of my midfield here because Geisko was a footballer with, again, tremendous will to win, a tremendous reading of the game, 
technically, he says not naturally gifted, but he worked so hard at his technique in not only practicing it and developing it, but learning about what needed to be used in a game. His goals are legendary because he scored a decent amount of them and when he scored them, they were fantastic. His assists, his ability to win the ball and again, his competitive nature, fantastic. Yes, I hear your criticism. There isn't a lot of height in this team so far. Carlos Marchena and Pepe Reina would be the only guys who you'd say would be of the sort of standard modern height for an elite footballer because the rest of them, bastante pequeño but bursting full of talent. And Gaisca Mendieta, for me, would be a team leader. Somebody who, whether things were going well or badly, you could count on to carry the weight of responsibility for winning. Um, an absolute cool-hand look of a footballer. And he's in my team next to Valeron because Valeron is is one of the candidates to be the 10 of this team. I've got him playing in a, in a four-man midfield because it's 3-4-3 three, three at the moment. And again, what, what, how much do I need to really say about him? For all of you who appreciate Spanish football, he must be iconic. Um, really tall, sort of Ruud van Nistelrooy size, languid. Somebody who had an economy of movement that allowed him to look, and, and the word I think is proper here, balletic, in that he was, he didn't zoom up and down the pitch, but he was graceful like a Spanish Zidane. Was he of Zidane's absolute quality? I think, I think the answer is plain to see. Zidane was given just that little bit more aggression, drive, nastiness, will to win, and probably just slightly greater athleticism to ally to his wonderful talents. But was Valeron in that category? I think he was. I think that if Valeron had been placed in a great Juventus team, in a great Real Madrid team, which he wasn't, then we could have been talking about a still bigger legend. Beautifully balanced, absolutely majestic in terms of how he used that balance to throw a player a dummy, to to use space, to to take with one foot and distribute with the other. Again, really clever about organising triangles of passes. If he wasn't in a space, he could see what a 2-3-4 pass move might do to allow him to be in the space to release either a shot or a cross or a, a brilliant assist. So, in my opinion, as we, as we hear that, those are the horns I hope you can hear in the background, the horns from the ferries in the sea, which are being sounded at eight o'clock um, every night to show appreciation for the health workers here. And gradually you'll be able to hear people, neighbours applauding in the, in the barrio for those who are holding down the front line, there you go, of uh, fighting this pandemic. I love that. I love that. Can you hear it? I hope so. Fucking beautiful. I love the human spirit and the way that it unites and fights. You've probably all heard about this, seen internet footage of this, but and it started long before it was the case in the UK, but I love this. Gosh, I hope this microphone's picking it up.
for all of you who are sad or isolated or lonely, for any of you who've got people who, who are ill or who are working in the, in the health services in any way, all of this is for you too. I think that's important to say. I know this isn't what you ask for, Finlay, but it's part of the reality that I live in every day. It's part of the reality that we're all suffering now. And it's uplifting. And just a little aside, it reminds me of the, the factory hooters, the sirens that used to signal in the morning when it was time to go to work, at lunchtime when it was time to stop, after lunch when it was time to come back, and then the go-home siren, which I think, if memory serves me right, was either at 3.30 or 4, because they usually started at 7.30 or 8. And um, the, the weeks that we've been in confinement, three now, while these foghorns and sirens from the ships in the ocean have been um, sounding, I've drawn my mind back to those factory sirens and lost sounds of my childhood. And you can hear maybe some people banging the, their pots and pans. That's called a casserolada. And when you hear people applauding, the, the, the message is very clear. But the, the way in which people... Um, in fact, there's somebody with a drum down there at the far end. It's absolutely magic. But when the protests come, it's when they bang pots and pans and pan lids and spoons together. And that's when you know they're not happy about something. So Valeron has won his place in my team, the centre-forward, because, Finley, you didn't specify that this had to be um, a La Liga 11 of Spanish footballers. The centre-forward is Lou Fab. Boy, do I remember when Monchi relieved uh, Porto of their <sighs> irresponsible, bad-tempered, underperforming, kind of skinny, uh, erratic, and just be clear that I pronounced that correctly, erratic there's nothing sexy about him uh, centre forward, Luis Fabiano it cost about a million euros and Luis Fabiano came to Sevilla and whatever the discussions Monchi had been having before the money was spent I remember being struck by Luis Fabiano saying out loud I know this is my last chance in Europe and he turned up at Sevilla not only at a time when around him he was supplied by great footballers, and I mean great footballers, in that Canuti has never played so well. Danny Alves was in the process of proving that he's one of the world's all-time great footballers. In and around the midfield, there were guys who knew how to supply uh, Luis Fabiano. But the thing that, that made him special was... It was like a, a dose of cold water to him that he'd been kicked out of Porto, that he'd only cost a million euros, and he, he genuinely meant that last chance thing. And he went on to, to run, to work, to, to wriggle away from challenges, to win headers that he shouldn't win, to invent goals, and I, by which I mean the means of converting them. It was watching this, this wiry live, not dominating, not brutal, number nine. A guy who had to use will to win, wits. And it, 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 when you watched him in action, you were watching a brain in action because he was always thinking about how is it 
that I can get ahead of my defender? How is it that I can win this battle? And I loved watching that. He's the goal supply in this. He's the mover. He's a setter-upper. His, his connection with Valeron, Mata and Silva would be beautiful. But he was good in the air. And on either side of him, you won't be surprised to find that I've got wingers. Not second strikers, because in Mata and Silva, and even in Gaiscamindieta, you've got guys who can slip in behind a centre-forward and, and play partnership football. No. But wide, let's have some fun. Wide left, because I'm not going to invert these two, is Vicente. Probably a little bit forgotten. Um, had a little swan song at Brighton. But there was a time at Valencia when he was fit, when he looked like just about the best left winger in the world. An odd character. Believe me, he and Carlos Puyol didn't like each other. This is not one of these guys from that golden era of the Spain team when they got on, when every jigsaw piece fitted together, when they pulled for each other, when they were mates, when they spent nights in each other's hotel rooms laughing and joking and watching the same TV series. This wasn't an awful one-one-for-all guy in Spain terms, but not even in the Valencia dressing room. Just slightly idiosyncratic, odd, a little bit dark-mooded, very much his own guy. But that pace, that ability to use the ball, that goal-scoring instinct, again, injuries cut back the impact that he would have had. But you'd have panicked. If you were a right-back or a right-midfielder and you knew you were playing against Vicente in his prime, you'd have made decisions about your positioning You'd have made decisions about how far forward you could go, which would have affected your efficacy for your own team in anything other than defence. And if you weren't quick, you wouldn't catch him. His use of the ball, also very, very good. Of There's two guys in this team, him and Manuel Pablo, whose careers were brutally hurt by the way that injuries damaged what was almost unchecked potential. And on the other side is exactly the other side of the coin. Jovial, lunatic sometimes, rumbustious, hungry for life. It's Joaquin. I know you know it's Joaquin. Able to use both feet. I'm going to start him on the right, but easily a guy who can drift into the left off the striker. Not prolific as a goal scorer, but fun, funny, physically dotado, they say here. Gifted in that he has got the, the system, the lungs, the energy, um, still the pace of a 26-year-old. He's far more, as a, as a young footballer, he wasn't particularly mature. And it's one of the great gifts for all of us that now that he's in his late 30s, he's physically been able to stay around long enough for his mentality to catch up with his talent. Somebody who it really is unaffected by pressure, and that's something that I've tried to look for across my team. Somebody who in good situation, bad situation, would take the ball, would take on his man and plays for the team. That's another big thing I've tried to look for here. Somebody who doesn't look to be the star, who plays to make sure that the best of those around him comes oozing out. So there's my uh, 11. Um, I haven't got it in front of me right now, so I'm going to try from memories. Pepe Reina at the back. It's Manuel Pablo Marchena and Ayala. Uh, with probably Ayala in the middle of Marchena to his left. In the midfield, we're talking about Silva and Mata at the wides. 
interiors or, or pivote actually Gaiska Mendieta with Valor next to him I'm going to ask Gaiska if he'd be happy playing in his team and I'll try and get him to record an answer for you in fact I promise to do that Finlay um, up front we're going to have two wide men Vicente on the left Joaquin on the right Lufab, Luis Fabiano down the middle uh, Brazilian striker and the manager Irureta am I saying that of all those man, and he again, it's not a cheat because you didn't say that the manager couldn't have played for one of the big three, and he did. Famously, he won really important trophies in that pretty brutal Atleti side of the seventies, which starred El Sabio as well, Luis Aragonés, but um, and the and the original Ayala too was at centre half in that team. Um, I remember once reading an interview him where he, he, he liked the sound of crunching bones as he went into a tackle. And Irureta didn't have a lot of big success other than at Deportivo La Coruña. The reason he's in this team is that he's a man of the era of these players. He's a guy who, when his team played, he played the brand of football I like. Yes, there were organising, defensive canny footballers in his team but when he had a chance to run another team when he had a chance irrespective of where he was at Camp Nou Bernabeu Calderon if he saw a chance to go at the other team and win he would send his team out to do that so I'm not claiming that of those coaches who aren't Real Madrid Atleti or Barca legends I've had to ignore all of them because of your rules I'm not saying Irureta was the outstanding best what I am saying is that he was a really hard-nosed winning manager who captured the essence of a number of maverick footballers and blended them into a great unit at Deportivo La Coruña and he'll do for me in the context of this 11. Finley, I've loved this challenge. Socios, I know I've gone on for a long time. I know you've heard the, the, the foghorns of the boats and the applause of the neighbours when that's not what you signed up for. I hope it's been interesting. I'll happily hear your 11s to answer Finley's uh, challenge. 11 La Liga footballers, none of whom can have played <coughs> much. <coughs> Hello, Pepirina, Juan Mata. For Barca, Atleti or Madrid. Finley, baby, there's your answer. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.